the Lord has blessed us with godly families, uh, families that desire to uh, grow their children up to love and honor the Lord. Um, and it's an awesome responsibility as a church. It's an awesome responsibility as a pastor to commit ourselves to directing our families, directing our children to glorify and honor God. And to do that in a world where sin is so prevalent. I think one of them said, going against the current. That's what we're doing here. We're going against the current. We are seeking to be righteous people and to stand in the middle of a raging river when the tide is just completely against us and we're trying to go upstream and all of that force is pushing us back. And you feel that, I know. If you are a parent, you've sensed that. And we as Christians, we, we think that life is important. Godly life is important. And life in general is important. And we've committed ourselves to the sanctity of life. And that's what we do this Sunday. Uh, this is Sanctity of Life Sunday. Most churches recognize, at least in, in our nation, sanctity of human life. And we go, we put it on this date because this is the date of... Roe v. Wade, the time when the courts allowed to stand an abortion bill legalizing abortion. And that was uh, just a travesty, I believe, in our nation. And since then, there's been millions. If you take your bulletin, and inside that bulletin, there is a piece of paper, and it has some statistics. Our secretary Cindy put a lot of time just thinking through and, and doing research on some of the statistics. Take that and, and read that over. I'm not going to go over this, but at the, the bottom line, if you look down at the bottom, I think 61 million abortions since uh, 1973 when the law was enacted. And that's a, that's a travesty. It's a travesty. It's a heartache for any believer, any Christian we need to be aware of that. That is a sin. That is a sin. Now, just for a short period of time, I want us to turn our attention to one verse in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34. Proverbs 14, verse 34 says this. Righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. Very simple. The second phrase is, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a disgrace on any people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, just bless our time as we just look at these, uh, th- this idea in Scripture of the sin of a nation. Uh, Lord, may we just be convicted in our own life. May we stand for what is right, for what is true and just. And may we be faithful to stand and trust in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The idea of a nation is an important idea in Scripture. And it'd be a good thing to just study out. You can just look up the word nation in any of the uh, concordances and and just look at the number of times it's mentioned. And what you'd find is that uh, the nation is a distinction that that, uh, God has given he is the one god is the one who has established the nation 
He has given it a distinct role. He's given it a distinct responsibility, uh, authority, boundaries. And it's his idea. We didn't make up the idea of nation. He is the one that, that did that. And it must not be confused with any of the other institutions that he has established. He's established the family. He's established uh, commerce. He's established marriage. He's established the church, and they're all distinct with a distinct purpose, with distinct authorities, boundaries, and responsibilities. The purpose of the nation, the goyim in the Hebrew, is the the idea of, of just protection. It is to protect its people. Protect its people. And what we would say in our constitution, both foreign and domestic threats... That's what the purpose of the nation is, to protect its people from both foreign and domestic threats. God has designed it to do that. That's the purpose. There's force behind that. In the Old Testament, we see that nations were established by God in Genesis chapter, really Genesis chapter 9 and 10, we see that laid out. Remember back when God uh, confused the language and he divided the families into four or five major people groups and they went all over the earth. And, uh, of course, each of them were were trying to distinguish themselves and make a name for themselves. And they tried to come together and build a tower. And God says, no, this is not going to happen. He scattered the people. They established their own nations. In Genesis chapter 12, God comes to one man, and that man was Abraham. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to cause from you, from your loins, a great nation to come. There's going to be fixed borders. There's going to be responsibilities. There's going to be authority. A king that will will reign forever is going to come from you. Your name is going to be great. And you are going to be a blessing your nation you and your nation are going to be a blessing to all the other nations that's a wonderful thing because i'm i'm glad that he said that because we're not the nation of israel we're distinct we are uh united states of america but that nation was a blessing to us we read the old testament we see the principles in god's word they uh they were to adhere to god's principles the nation was they were they were chosen by god And they were to reflect God's principles. And God actually was going to come down and he was going to live among them and he was going to dwell with them. Now that happened. And that happened for a little while and eventually Israel turned their back on God. But the idea was that Israel was to be an example to what? All the other nations. They were to live out God's principles Uh, The Ten Commandments and and the other principles of their dedication to God, their love for God, and that was to be lived out to the rest of the world. But by the time we get to Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, Daniel just acknowledged the fact that God rises up nations and he takes nations down as well. And we see that. We've seen that uh, from the beginning of time. Nations have risen and fallen. In the New Testament, we see as Christians, we are called, told us in Romans chapter 13, that the the rulers of these nations, the rulers of the nations, they're ministers of God. Now, they may not know that. Most of them don't. 
But at some point, they're going to have to give an account for their actions as a leader in that nation. They're going to have to give an account before before God. So he calls them ministers of God. They're accomplishing what God wants them to accomplish. Sometimes he takes his hand of grace off. Sometimes he gives them more grace. Christ told the soldier that came up to him and said, Hey, how can I, how can I glorify God as a Roman soldier? And he says, you, you work for the government well. You do it well. You do it to the glory of God for the nation. We are called also to pay taxes to our nation. We are part of a nation. That nation then is to turn around and protect us. They have a responsibility to God to protect us. Now, what we see in this passage, in this proverb, just one little verse, we see a comparison. We see a comparison between the righteous and the sinful. Righteous and the sinful. Because what we find is, is not just individuals can sin, but nations can sin. There can be so much uh, a characteristic uh, or a, a sinful characteristic, a part of that nation, that it just becomes their identity. It becomes who they are. This is what they do. We've seen that in Scripture. The uh, nation of Sodom and Gomorrah, two city-states, uh, the sin of homosexuality. What does God do with them? He destroyed those two. The nation of Nineveh, God sent uh, Jonah to, to give them mercy. and He was patient with them. But eventually, he had to destroy that nation. What was their sin? They were sacrificing their babies to the God of Melech. The nations of Canaan, idolatry. Babylonian nation, just pride. And, and what you see then is these nations, they'll take up on a themselves a characteristic because of their commitment to a certain sin and it it's an abomination to the lord it's an abomination to the lord you say well what about america what about america what's the sin of america we can look at the money that is made by pornography in America, we can look at the influence of, of racism from one generation to the next generation. We can look at human trafficking and the increase in human trafficking that we see today. We see the abuse of, of drugs is a massive problem today. But none of them compare, folks, with, with abortion. With the, the most graphic, vile sin that a nation can do, commit, is to kill the babies in the womb. The nation is supposed to protect the people. And what they find, what we find is they somehow justify, we, we justify a law in the books allowing the killing of babies, babies in the womb for the convenience of the mother, for the elevation of the happiness of the couple somehow. Folks, that is the epitome of calling good evil and evil good. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. We can look at the Democrat Party and say, oh, the Democrat Party, oh, they're destroying our country. We can look at the Republican Party and say, oh, the Republican Party is destroying our country. But folks, what is deteriorating the the moral fabric of our society is this sin, I believe, this sin of abortion. We are fooling ourselves. We are a nation that is committing murder day in, day out. 
And you think that, oh, well, this is going to die off. This is just a fad. It's not. It is increasing. I was just reading an article. Somebody was telling me actually about this article. The past year, from 2017 to 2018, Planned Parenthood increased their killing of babies 12%. From 2018 to 2019, last year, they increased another 12%, 24% in the past couple of years. That's not going away, folks. That's a lifestyle. That is a characteristic of our nation. That's a sin of our nation. It's a sin. I don't see any way around that. I don't see, there's no way that we can justify that. You can't justify that. You can't justify it. Here's the principle. Here's what I want us to see. You say, how does that affect us? As Christians, every Christian in America should be aware of the great sin of abortion and how their vote will affect the continuance or the diminishing of that sin. We have the responsibility. We're going to be in front of the ballot box here soon. And and you're going to have to think, what's the most important issue? That's the most important issue. You say, well, that doesn't do very much. That doesn't, that doesn't make me feel uh, better. They're going to continue to do what they want to do. And, and so why, why does it matter? It matters. It just it matters. God thinks it matters. So what's important to God must be important to us. So the question is, we look around and we seem a little helpless. We don't know what else to do. What can we do, really? And the question is, is how is the Christian to respond in a sinful nation? This is a sinful nation, folks. How are we to respond in that? Let me give you just a couple of verses. A couple of principles that I think that are going to be helpful to us. And this is the way we need to see these things. Number one, what, what can we do? Number one, we seek the welfare of our country. We seek the welfare of our country. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 7 says this. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Now what was happening God was judging Israel. They were turning their back on God. And so God says, okay, that's it. And he scattered them and put them in other nations. And he says, now, when you go into those other nations, I want you to seek the welfare of that country. You mean the welfare of wicked, wicked nations? You want them to succeed? I want you to seek the welfare of, of the, that city in which you go. He says, for in its welfare, you will have welfare. So seek the welfare of the city. And that's hard. It's hard for us as Christians. We, what's the best thing we could do? Well, I think the best thing here goes, goes back to the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Righteousness exalts the nation. We are infusing. God was infusing into all of these nations just pockets of righteousness. Where he was sending his people. Some of them had turned their back on God. They were not following God. Others were genuine believers. And they were, they were seeking to pursue it. To do what's right. And they were going to live out a righteous life. And that's what was happening. And that little pocket of righteousness is going to help exalt that nation. It's going to exalt that nation. Seek the welfare. That's what we need to do, folks. That's what we need to do. Righteousness. It's just living out a righteous life. We are a blessed nation. We were established. It was really just by the, orchestrated by the Lord 
uh, at the time America was being established, there was other countries that were persecuting Christians. They're having conflicts even within the church. The pure Christians, they were kind of being thrown out of the church or they were disassociating with the larger denominational churches and, and saying the denominational churches were not doing what is right. And so these pure Christians were, were being persecuted and they needed a place to go. And where did they come? Praise the Lord, they came to America at, at the right time. They had a huge influence, the Puritans and the pilgrims. These godly people had an influence on our country early on, and we sense that today. We can see the results of that even to this day, two or three hundred years later. And, and that's amazing. Because it goes back to this principle, righteousness exalts a nation. When people are seeking to do what's right, seeking to live out righteousness, it's going to elevate, that's what that word exalt, just to lift up, it's going to elevate that, that nation. And so one thing that we can do, let's just apply this, just take a stand, folks. We need to live out righteousness. We need to live out righteousness. We have to be distinct and different from the world. It will elevate. You say, how? I don't know how. The Lord uses that. Uses that in the heart. When, when people see pure hearts, people see people who are living, trying to do what's right. Just trying to do what's right. In, in front of their God. Somehow, maybe the Lord uses them to convict their own hearts when they, they hear the gospel. When they hear that, that Christ died for sin. And this is what we believe. Christ died for sin. And, and God's righteousness from Christ was put to our account. And our sinfulness was placed upon Christ. And, and we just live by faith in God of that. And, and we seek to please God as a result of His salvation in our life. And somehow that makes a difference. The Lord uses that, folks, to, to give us an opportunity to share the gospel with with people, and, and, and it's about Christ and Christ's grace, God's grace in our life, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God is gracious, and we should have a, a, a people who are flooding to, to experience that grace of God. And we live out that. We live a, a different life then. Number two, we have to promote righteousness. We have to exalt what is true. What is true? What is righteousness? Well, it's certainly not abortion. Certainly not abortion. Righteousness is living right before the Lord, right? Doing what is right. Speaking truth. Now, that's hard to do in an unrighteous nation. But that's what we're called to do. And then play our role well. If the Lord has called us to, to live in ungodly times, then we need to sharpen ourselves and be ready for, to, to give an answer. Why are you against abortion? Why are you against that? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? We need to have an answer. We need to be able to go to those two passages that, were, that Tim read to us earlier and said, hey, that precious life that is in that mother's womb is a life. And it is murder to kill that thing. That is wrong. And it is immoral to take that life. And then we read that 
that we were formed in our mother's womb. God formed us even when we were in our mother's womb. So we, we take the stand, we promote what is righteousness, we play our, our role well in this dark society. Number two, let me give you another principle and then we'll wrap it up with this. Number two, and we cannot forget this, we need to pray for those who have the ability to change the laws in our country. And we're a nation, right? First Timothy, if you'd want to turn over there, First Timothy chapter 2 says this, and I believe we forget this verse sometime. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving, that's all kinds of prayers, entreaties, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. We're to pray for everyone, right? To pray for them. Verse 4, who desires all men to be saved. This is a, a salvation prayer, primarily, that they would come to their senses and come before the Lord and submit themselves to His rule in their life. He says, pray but he says specifically in verse 2, pray for kings and for all who are in our authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. We are to pray for those who are in authority over us. Those who in our country make the laws for us. We're to pray for them. It's not that as though we don't set, we, we sit back and do nothing. Now, Christians, a lot of times, they'll get anxious. And they'll say, oh, we've got to do something. We've got to do something. And they go out and they protest in front of the streets, in front of the abortion clinics. And God bless you. If you think that that's effective, then you do that. But I've seen no real effect of that. Some take it in their hands. We're going to start blowing up. And this is kind of popular a few years back. We're going to start blowing up these abortion clinics. Folks, that makes us look like angry Christians. We're to let God take His revenge. He's the one that's going to have to judge this nation. Not us. Not us. You say, well, what can we do? What do we do then? Well, we don't want to be a threat to those. We, we do want to love those young women who have gotten themselves in this situation. And we want to love them. If we have opportunity, we reach out in grace to them and, and bring them in. But the point of this passage is what? We pray. We pray for the salvation of those who are making the laws, who are affecting this abortion epidemic that we have here. We pray for them. We pray for their salvation. Folks, this is first and foremost a spiritual problem. It really is. It's not a physical problem. It's not a, a building, a protest you know, on this side of the aisle and clashing like that. It's not that. This is a spiritual battle Spiritual battles are won and lost through prayer. And I think that we forget to pray. I think we forget to pray. And this is a command. Paul is commanding, pray for those who are in authority over you. We're to pray for our governors. We're to pray for our representatives. We're to pray for our president. Those who are making the laws that affect our country. And Paul's not kidding He's not kidding here. This is serious stuff. Prayer is not doing nothing. It is actually aggressive. It is doing something. So let's just apply this. What, what do we do with this? Number one, you make your position known. We take a stand. 
We take a stand. It's not in front of the abortion clinic. It's not with the bomb blowing people up. It's not in anger. No, but we have to let our presence be known. Look, this is what I think about this. I believe this is murder. This is wrong. Number two, then, number two is we commit ourselves. Commit ourselves to pray. Pray for the salvation of our nation, specifically for those who are in authority over us. We pray for their salvation. We pray for them. In doing those things, folks, it's not doing nothing. It's actually doing something. If we are living a righteous Christian life in an ungodly world, that's going to stand out. And and at some point, they're going to come before us and they're going to say, why do you take that stand? Why do you hate abortion so much? And we can come to them based upon the Word of God and saying, because that little life within that womb is a precious life. And God thinks it's precious, so I think it's precious. And the nation should think that it is precious and protect that little life. You know, something else about nations, and we'll close with this, that God is gracious to nations. Look at the next verse here. Let me close with this verse. Jeremiah 18, verse 8 says this, and I love this verse. This is the good news here, folks. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, turns from its evil, turns from its sinfulness, it realizes before God this is sinful practice, and they turn around, and he says, I will relent concerning the calamity. That I plan for them. I won't destroy them. And is there any examples in Scripture of that? Absolutely. Jonah went in to this city, huge city. I think there was about three million people in this in Nineveh at the time, is what we understand. And he goes in. All he does is preach mercy, God's mercy and God's grace. But he preaches God's judgment, and that city repented. City repented. And God was merciful to that city. And He was gracious to that city. That's what we're called to do, folks. That's what we're called to do. We live our life. We present the gospel. We take our stand. And we pray. We pray for this spiritual spiritual battle that's going on in our country. Let me give you one last thought about nations. The last thing that we see in the book of Revelation is we have... Before the throne of God, we have all the nations represented. All the tribes, all the tongues, all the people. And what are they all doing? It's not all of the people from those nations. It's those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ before the throne of God. And they're praising God. And as one voice, they're all coming together. All of the nations coming together, praising our God. Why do we do what we do? Why do we live a Christian life? For the praise of His glory. For the praise of His glory and grace. Listen, we live this Christian life. We share the gospel for the glory of God. Folks, we live in an unrighteous world. And abortion is is terrible. I don't have to persuade you that. I think you know that. And I think most people know that. We've got to turn, somehow we've got to turn the public opinion around. This is an ungodly, sinful act that this nation is really being characterized by now. It's the sin of our nation, I believe.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, help us to do our part. Help us to do what, 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 whatever we can do short of taking our own revenge. Oh Lord, there's, there's so much that can be done. But Lord, help us to be faithful about the two things that You've called us to do. And that's just live a righteous life. Seeking the welfare of our country. Knowing that that welfare has to be based upon righteousness. And then Lord, help us to remember just to pray. To pray for those who are in authority. Pray for just the heart of this nation. Those moms who are in the situation that would kill a baby. Lord, help us to Lord, do our part. What a grievous sin abortion is. Lord, may we be faithful to stand against this sin. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.